Hi everyone, I'm your host Maurice and you are listening to the Lifetimes Podcast. Podcast where we explore the different stories, life lessons, and experiences of Filipinos navigating through life and adulthood in a foreign society. Thank you so much for tuning in and continuing to support the podcast. And also, if you haven't yet, please give us a follow on Instagram at the Lifetimes Podcast. For today's episode, I'm going to be trying something a bit different. In the last episodes, I've had a guest join me where they would share their story, their experience. But for this episode, I'm hoping to do a solo episode, not really focusing on a story about myself, but rather a point in time in history. In episode one of the podcast, I mentioned how I love watching documentaries, and specifically historical documentaries. And what continues to fascinate me is the history of the Philippines. Being a Filipino and growing up in Canada from the age of nine, my knowledge of the history of the Philippines has been limited. And as the years progress, as I grew older, I wanted to rediscover these roots. I wanted to get in touch with the history of the motherland and learn how the Philippines became what it is today. If you notice in the first episodes when I had Josh and Ren as my guests, the time period that they said that they would want to visit would be the time of the Filipino Revolution, which happened in the late 1890s where the Filipinos fought for independence against Spain. But there was another war followed shortly after that. And not many people know about about this war. Not many people know the events that unfolded during this war. And this is the war that I want to focus on today, which was called the Filipino-American War. Not much information is known about it, and it's often overlooked as just being part of the Spanish-American War, which lasted for only three months, whereas the Filipino-American War lasted for three years, from 1899 to 1902, and it was much bloodier than the Spanish-American War. So that will be the focus of the episode today to just learn about this time in history and to just look back as to what happened during those times. So in order to do this, we have to go back to around the start of the 1800s. In the 1800s, the United States was a rising power in the West. In the late 1800s, the Americans had their civil war, and after the civil war, the country became united as a nation. And the results of the American Civil War abolished slavery. And this became one of the policies that Americans would embrace, which was all about liberty, freedom, the total opposite of imperialism and colonial policy. 
before the United States of America became a country, they used to be a colony of Britain. And they only gained independence in 1776. The original colonies were dubbed the 13 colonies. And these 13 colonies fought for their independence and eventually won and they gained that independence. So knowing the United States of America, they came from this uh, colonial roots being a colony before. They wanted to divert from that and fight for independence and all about liberty, freedom, different from colonial policy. Aside from the English Empire, there was another empire that dominated during this time, which was the Spanish Empire. Spain was a colonial powerhouse, controlling much of South America, the Philippines. But at the start of 1800s, they started to lose their power. Spain started to lose its power and its grip from most of its colonies. A big chunk of the Spanish Empire was concentrated in the Americas, North America, South America, Central America. You know, some countries were Argentina, Mexico, uh, even California before, Ecuador, Cuba, Dominican Republic, the list goes on. However, during the 1800s, the 19th century, many of Spain's colonies started to become independent from Spanish rule. And by the 1890s, the Spanish Empire consisted of only Cuba, Puerto Rico, the Philippines, Guam, and a few islands. These countries started to fight for their independence, and Spain got involved in two wars, one in the West and one in the East. So first, let's look at the West. What was happening in the West? Well, during this time, Cuba was fighting for independence from Spain. They actually had three battles or three wars that they had to fight in this uh, ba battle for independence. The first was the Ten Years' War from 1868 to 1878, the Little War from 79 to 8 to 1880, and the Cuban War of Independence from, 19, from 1895 to 1898. And in the East, the Filipino Revolution was happening where the Filipinos would revolt against Spanish rule. And this started in 1896 when a secret society of revolutionary forces were discovered by the Spaniards. What's happening is just Spain having problems in their colonies and them fighting. So how did the Americans get involved? So we look back to the Cuban War of Independence from 1895 to 1898. So actually, even before the American Civil War from 1861 to 1865, the American Southerners had interest in having the U.S. purchase Cuba to become a new slave state. Obviously, this did not happen because Cuba was still under Spanish rule. But what happened is U.S. businessmen started to monopolize the trade market of Cuba, mainly sugar, and in turn the United States was profiting off of the Cuban economy, which was being destroyed at that time because of the ongoing battle, the ongoing war being fought against the Cubans and the Spaniards. 
So during the Cuban War of Independence, you know, the United States being all about liberty, all about freedom, they heard news of atrocities committed by the Spaniards to the Cubans. And this led to the American public sympathizing with the Cubans. And American journalism actually pushed the agenda of the United States intervening in this conflict to, quote-unquote, save the Cubans, to free them from the Spaniards who are committing these crimes or atrocities against the natives of Cuba. The then-president, William McKinley, did not want to enter war against Spain, and he actually tried to promote peace negotiations between the Spaniards and the Cubans. In February 1898, the president sent a Navy battleship named the USS Maine to Havana, Cuba, to aid some of the Americans who may have been stuck in the country because of the conflict between the Spanish and the Cubans, and to also protect American interests. On the evening of February 15, 1898, there was an unexpected explosion which led to the sinking of the USS Maine killing more than 250 U.S. Navy men on board. Very suspicious because the United States was not part of the war. So this obviously created tension, especially in the eyes of the public, the American public, who were already sympathizing with the Cubans. So this just further fueled and pushed the Americans to go to war with Spain. And this is exactly what happened on April 25th, 1898, when the United States declared war against Spain and to free the Cubans. So when the Americans declared war against Spain, this means that they're at war with Spain and all of its colonies, which included the Philippines. So that's what was happening in the West. Now let's look at what was happening in the East. When the Philippine Revolution began in 1896, Spain was technically fighting two wars in the East and in the West. And with wars, these actually destroy a country's economy. And Spain could not afford to fight two wars. And on top of that, on the opposite sides of the world. But, however, they did not want to lose the Philippines. So actually, in December 1897, they negotiated peace with the Filipino Revolutionary Forces led by General Emilio Aguinaldo. And this was known as the Pact of Biak Nabato. And in that pact, there were agreements that both parties signed to. One was General Emilio Aguinaldo, the leader of the Filipino Revolutionary Forces, and its leaders would voluntarily go to exile in Hong Kong. The remaining troops would surrender themselves to the Spanish and also turn in all their weapons. And the Spanish promised the Filipinos that they would be paid 800,000 Mexican pesos in three installments. However, the third installment was never received. And also 900,000 pesos would be given to the families affected by the war. Aguinaldo took the money and he went to exile in Hong Kong. He took the money and he continued to purchase weapons and ammunition because he knew the war was not over. 
So this was in 1897. And remember, the United States declared war in 1898 against the Spaniards. So when the Americans declared war, they knew that annihilating the Spanish fleet in the Philippines would be a major milestone in becoming victorious in the war. Hence, there was a command given to the U.S. Asiatic Squadron under Commodore George Dewey to be dispatched to the Philippines, which eventually led to the Battle of Manila Bay. The Battle of Manila Bay took place in 1898, and the naval battle was heavily favored on the side of the Americans. The naval fleet of the Spanish Empire primarily consisted of obsolete vessels, old, that was no match to the American fleet. Because after the American Civil War, there was a push by Theodore Roosevelt to strengthen the Americans' Navy force, and this included the construction of steel warships. So the naval fleet of the United States was far more advanced than the Spanish fleet. So they, they go to war in Manila Bay and the Americans sunk over 10 Spanish vessels, captured Spanish boats, and hundreds of casualties. On the side of the Americans, they had no casualties and the fleet had very minimal damage because it was steel easy no no sweat for the americans it was such an easy battle for them in in the naval battle but please note navy units can't go inland navy units are just at the water remember emilio aguinaldo was in exile in hong kong shortly after the battle of manila bay he would make his return to the philippines and he was transported by an american vessel and there was talks that Commodore George Dewey promised Emilio Aguinaldo that the United States of America would grant independence to the Philippines. The only problem was, none of this was in writing. This was just verbal agreements. And Commodore George Dewey is not the President of the United States. He had no power to grant independence. Aguinaldo was promised independence and the United States will be there to help them achieve that independence. So at this point, it's safe to assume that the Americans would be helping the Filipinos in this fight for independence, right? So what happened next is Aguinaldo went back to the Philippines and had that talk with Dewey and now he rallied the troops once again and attacked the Spaniards and surrounded the city of Manila. Remember they fought before and actually the Filipino revolutionaries were able to capture the entirety of the island of Luzon except for Manila and the port of and the port of Cavite. In Manila there is a city called Intramuros which is a walled city built by the Spaniards. So they've surrounded the city. They dug trenches around the city and they were just slowly letting it bleed out. They were cutting down the supplies of the Spaniards and actually 
Aguinaldo would submit terms of surrender to the Spaniards. But the Spaniards would refuse them. During this time, like I said earlier, the Navy is just in the water. They don't have land units. So the Filipino revolutionary forces were able to just surround the capital. And on June 12, 1898, Aguinaldo declared independence and became the first republic of the Philippines. And actually, even after the declaration, Aguinaldo's declaration of Philippine independence in his hometown, Admiral Dewey, during a visit, a month later, the Declaration of Independence, he pointed out to Aguinaldo, have faith in my word, and I assure you that the United States will recognize the independence of the country, but I recommend you to keep a good deal of what we have said and agreed secret at present. In good faith, there were, seems like everything's going well. The Americans will recognize an independent Philippines. So at the end of June, towards the end of June, 1898, American land troops started to arrive in the Philippines. And this is where things start to take a bitter turn. The Spaniards being just surrounded in the capital, they knew the city will fall, but they did not want to surrender to the Filipinos. And that was just the pride of the Spaniards. They did not want to lose to these people. They did not want to lose to these Filipinos who have them surrounded in Manila. They also feared that when they would accept defeat and the Filipino revolutionaries would take the capital, they feared that they would be massacred. They feared of retaliation from the Filipinos who they have oppressed for over 300 years. But with the presence of the Americans, the Spaniards rather surrender the city to the Americans rather than the Filipinos. Again, it's pride. Pride of the Spaniards to not give in, to not lose, to not lose face by being defeated by Filipinos. So, the Spanish governor general in the Philippines suggested to the American Admiral George Dewey about their surrender. You know, at this time, Spain and America were still at war. And actually, on August 12th, there was a peace protocol signed in Washington, D.C., leading to the end of the Spanish-American War. The question now is how do the Spaniards transition the hold of Manila to the Americans? On August 13th, a mock battle was staged between the Spaniards and the Americans. This was dubbed as the mock battle of Manila to transition the control of Manila from the Spanish to the Americans in a bloodless encounter. So the plan was for the Americans to attack Manila and then the Spanish would retreat 
Americans would advance to Intramuros. But when they advanced to Intramuros, the Americans had strict instructions for Aguinaldo that his troops are not to participate or enter Intramuros. They were not allowed to enter the capital of their own country. So the Filipino forces were fooled to believe that the battle was genuine. And when all set, everything was all said and done, the Spanish surrendered the city to the Americans. While the Filipinos watched from the outside, remember at this time, the Philippines declared independence and the Filipinos were under the impression that the Americans recognizes them as independent and recognizes the first republic of the Philippines. So technically, the country was theirs. And being denied entrance to the capital city of your own country certainly raised some eyebrows and just caused tension to build between the Filipinos and the Americans. This continued on. And actually, during the signing of the Treaty of Paris, the treaty between the United States and Spain, which was signed in December 1898, during the negotiation process, Filipino delegates were denied participation. The negotiations was just between the Americans and the Spaniards. And from this treaty, Cuba gained independence. However, the Philippines was a little bit more tricky because actually Spain wanted to continue holding the Philippines. They did not want to give up the Philippines. So proposals were made. One of the proposals was just to surrender Manila to the Americans. So Manila would serve as a port city similar to Hong Kong for the British. Another one was to just surrender Luzon to the Americans and the rest would remain under Spanish control. However, Americans feared that negotiating just parts of the country and having a part ownership with Spain would cause some problems in the future because there were other nations that had interest in the Philippines. One of them was Germany. The British were, were there, obviously. So they were kind of in a this mindset of if they take it, it'll be bad news for us. So why don't we just take it ourselves? So negotiations continue and eventually resulted in the U.S. proposing $20 million for the Philippines. And Spain accepted. And just like that, the Spanish Empire lost its colonies, Puerto Rico, the Philippines, and Guam to the United States. About a month after, a month or two after, in February 4, 1899, as you can already tell, tensions were rising in the Philippines between the Filipinos and the Americans. In February 4, 1899, a U.S. private fired shots at Filipino soldiers when they approached American lines I believe it was a bridge that they were approaching. And according to historians, the Americans yelled, halt. But 
the Filipinos don't speak English. So they did not understand what that word meant. And they just continued walking. And this actually resulted in the death of these soldiers. And this ignited the Filipino-American War. There was debate in America about this conflict that is ensuing in the Far East. Because America was all about liberty, freedom. You know, they used to be a colony and they fought for their independence. So you would think that they would understand what the Filipinos are fighting for. And acquiring colonies of their own would safe to safe to say that that would be the last thing on their mind. So the annexation of the Philippines was not really uh did not really gain favor with the American public. So in order to gain that support, they actually called the Filipino American War as the Philippine insurgents, meaning the people are revolting against the government. And resisting just rule. They're portraying everyone just just as rebels. These Filipinos are rebels revolting against this government. They portrayed Filipinos as savages. They were portrayed to be unfit for self-government. That's why the Americans are there to indoctrinate them. The Americans are there to teach them civilization. To teach them how to become civilized. And one, one of the things was to Christianize them, which was odd because the Spanish brought Christianity to the Philippines. And it's crazy how the American media portrayed all of this stuff. And one powerful tool that they used was political cartoons. And often there is this character that's portrayed Uncle Sam represented the United States and in these cartoons they actually had Aguinaldo drawn as a savage a typical a stereotypical savage and actually one of these political political cartoons it would show that America was doing everyone a favor by lifting them up and the United States was there carrying these other nations to civilization, making them more civilized. And all that stuff was fed to the American public to show that the Americans were not there to invade, the Americans were not there to oppress the population, but rather to civilize them. And this war would last for three years, killing thousands of Americans, American soldiers, tens of thousands of Filipino revolutionary forces, and hundreds of thousands of innocent civilian lives. During the war, obviously, the United States was much stronger than the Philippines. You know, the Philippines had no chance if they would fight the Americans at their own game which was fighting in formation, meaning conventional warfare. You know, the Americans had better tactics. They had advanced military. They had advanced weapons. They have trained soldiers. Whereas many of the Filipino revolutionary forces 
were not trained for armed combat. Some of them were just civilians who joined the cause to fight for independence. And because of this, the Filipinos capitalized in the geography of the land and resulted in guerrilla warfare. So they would ambush the Americans, conduct raids, night attacks, even disguise themselves. They disguised themselves as women or civilians in order to get behind enemy lines and to attack the Americans. So with that being said, the Americans now didn't know who was who. And the fight just became a free-for-all, killing many civilians, innocent lives, men, women, children. And there were even reports of U.S. Army men raiding each house they would encounter while they advanced, you know, stripping civilians of any, anything of value, setting houses on fire where victims were burned alive, torture of POWs, killing soldiers who already surrendered, and one form of torture that was used was called water curing. And the Americans did this to Filipinos to get a confession, to get them to confess any military information that would give the Americans an advantage against the Filipinos. So what they did was they would hold a person down on the ground and they would pour water down the person's throat. And there were reports that a piece of bamboo would be placed on the person's mouth and which will be funneled with water until the person's stomach becomes enlarged and just filled with all that water. It's not even clean water too. It's any water. And after this, American troops would jump on the person's stomach and then repeat for twice or three times. So the person is technically drowning. Drowning with water. And this probably resulted in the death of some people who were victims of this method of torture and just the brutality of that system. So the Americans pushed the Filipino troops up north and on March 23, 1901, the Americans captured the leader, Emilio Aguinaldo. There were actually some Filipinos who sided with the Americans and during the capture of Aguinaldo these were the Macabebe scouts who sided with the United States and pretended to bring American prisoners to Aguinaldo's camp in Isabella so as you can see just from there the people of the Philippines were not fully united and the Americans capitalized on this used it to their advantage to take the leader of the First Republic. A few days after the capture, the Americans had Aguinaldo pledge alliance to the Americans and to issue a formal surrender. But the fighting continued to happen. The fighting didn't really stop, but from that point, it was all downhill. 
for the Filipino Revolutionary Forces. One incident that happened in September 28, 1901, it's dubbed as the Balangiga Massacre. So this happened about six months after Aguinaldo was captured. So a company of U.S. troops were stationed in Balangiga in the island of Samar in the Visayan region of the Philippines. The Filipino fighters cross-dressed as women. They disguised themselves as laborers in the city. They hid weapons, which was mainly bolo knives. And they staged this attack on the Americans who were stationed in the city. So the night before, the Americans were drunk. And in the morning, the onslaught would begin. The church bells rang and everyone who were disguised took their weapons and hacked to death American troops. This resulted in the death of 54 out of 74 Americans and wounding 18. And the Americans, after hearing news of this, they retaliated. And a general named Jacob H. Smith gave orders to U.S. troops. And he said, I want no prisoners. I wish you to kill and burn. The more you kill and burn, the better it will please me. The interior of Samar must be made a howling wilderness. The American troops proceeded to kill the residents of the island of Samar, killing everyone over the age of 10. Killing anyone who was capable of fighting back and being a threat to the Americans. If you would look on the map, Balangiga was just a part of Samar. Samar was the entire island. If you look in Google, in Google Maps, you can see the size comparison of that area and that's what happened there. And there are no records of how many, exactly how many people died because of these orders given by the United States, given by the Americans. And these are just what, one of the events that took place. I'm sure there's more. So nine months after, on July the 2nd, 1902, the war ended, but... The conflict continued in the island of Mindanao called the Moro Rebellion, which would continue until June of 1913. You know, researching this topic was quite a journey for me in learning how the Filipino revolutionary forces were blindsided and deceived by their supposed ally, the Americans. And, and it's, it's just sad because not many people know about this war ever took place. And actually in this article that I found, it says there, five U.S. wars rarely found in history books. And number one was the Philippine-American War. And, you know, the more I researched about this, the more I'm able to understand 
that quote where history is written by victors. If you go to the Philippines today, I'm assuming many Filipinos would know about this war. But I'm not sure if the same can be said with the Americans. Why is this part of history not known? Why is this war placed as just under the blanket of the Spanish-American War where in fact it lasted for three years as opposed to three months of the Spanish-American War? It's just funny how, <laughs> how that is. So I encourage everyone here listening to this podcast, listening to this episode, to do your research as well because all the things I mentioned here this is pretty much just a a quick crash course on the events that took place during the Filipino-American War and I encourage you to do your research as well because I'm not a historian I'm as much as a learner I'm as much as a student of history as much as you listening to the show right now encourage everyone to look back in history and just look at these events more closely. And if you've enjoyed the show and if you've enjoyed what we were able to dig into, I encourage you to please share this episode of the podcast so that more and more people will know about this war that is often forgotten this happened this is history and actually while researching this i watched obviously i watched the documentary and one investigation that was found was that the uss maine that exploded was not because of the spaniards it was it was because of an internal explosion within the warship And if that was discovered during that time, none of this would have happened. The Americans won't declare war to the Spaniards, and in turn, the Americans would never come to the Philippines. And we just don't know what would have happened. So I encourage you, please, look back into time, look back into this part of history, and just learn. Just learn. Learn about the the things that unfolded. And having said that, I have a movie suggestion for everyone listening to the show to learn more about the war. It's a Filipino movie. It's in Tagalog. General Luna. To learn about the events that took place during the Filipino-American War and also to look at the political turmoil happening within the Filipino ranks. So I encourage you to give that a watch. It's on Netflix. And there's a sequel to the movie called Goyo, the boy general. Or in, in, uh, in Tagalog, Goyo, ang batang general. So I encourage everyone listening to this podcast to have a watch. It, those two movies, they're both on Netflix. And aside from that, I can't emphasize this enough, is do your research. Look into these things and learn from history. So I do hope everyone enjoyed the show today. And in the next episodes, I will continue having guests. But every now and then, I look to having these solo shows where I just talk about anything. Talk about history and just have a a solo show. So if you like the episode, please share it. If you haven't yet, please give us a follow on Instagram. Make sure to subscribe. 
to the podcast on whichever podcasting platform that you are using. And I hope to see you in the next episode. Bye for now.